good morning. I, this is not a decoration. I have five stitches I got uh, about an hour ago. Um, I had a fight with the uh, screen, and um, it won a little bit, but it didn't stop me. So, all right. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm just saying. So, yes, take your pictures, post them if you want. I know what you guys are going to do. Just tell everybody Sarah smacked me. I got out of line and she smacked me. So, um, oh, okay. I don't want to know that story probably. All right. So, you guys awake? Some of you are. I'm awake. I'm loving this. I got woke up really, really well this morning at about 8.45. I got a good uh, punch to the face. So, um, did you guys have a good Easter? Spend time with family, getting to celebrate things, Um, you know, celebrating what Christ did for us. And I was thinking about what Christ did for us and going through the Old Testament prophecies of what he was going to do. Isaiah is, is huge for Old Testament prophecy of, of who Christ was and what he was, what he was planning on doing um, and what God had set in, in place. But I was thinking about the Old Testament prophets and I was thinking about Christ who is um, basically it was a New Testament prophet, New Testament priest. And the Old Testament prophets, we see that God released his power to people. He released his po- people... He released power on people. He didn't release power into people. If you look at most of the scriptures, when David, it says the Spirit of God came upon David. Uh, when it talks about Elijah, when he, um, um, he ran, it says the power, the, the power of God came upon him and, and he ran from one city to the next city. But we see pow- the power of God coming upon people, but we don't see the power of God living in people. And so I was, I was like going through the different times in the Old Testament of looking at when the Spirit of the Lord came upon people and he was like, I was think, looking at him like, you know what, there's a huge difference in, they, they did amazing works, but there was a huge difference in the Old Testament to the New Testament of, of the Spirit of God being in people. So in the Old Testament, God did not release his power in them. There was times that they had on them like David and, and, and Elijah, but the power was on them for a temporary moment. The power to run from one city to the other city, you know, for, for David to uh, become king, he had a, a power of God. I mean, think about this. The, the kid's a 14-year-old kid, 15-year-old kid, and he walks in to, to fight Goliath. The power of God came upon him and guided him and gave him what he needed to do and showed him what he needed to do. Excuse me. Um, but then we look at the New Testament. We see the first time in the New Testament we see is Jesus, and he gets baptized. He is baptized, and what happens? You know, he, he gets baptized, comes up, and the Holy Spirit comes down in the form, in the, like a dove, and rests upon him, rests in him. And then his father says, this is my son who I am well pleased with. And so we see Jesus, and he, he starts his ministry. So if you turn to Luke 4, I'm going to read this out of uh, the voice translation. And he says, Luke says, next he went to Capernaum, another Galilean city. Again, he was in the synagogue teaching on the Sabbath. And before the people were enthralled by his words, he had a way of saying things, a special authority, a unique power. 
In attendance that day was a man with a demonic spirit. Demon-possessed man screaming at Jesus, get out of here, leave me alone, or excuse me, leave us alone. What is your agenda, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One, the sent by God. So Jesus is screaming at him. People are, you know, Jesus is in there teaching. People are, are listening to him, and this man comes up filled with demons, and Jesus says this. He goes, he firmly rebuked the demon, and he says this, be quiet, get out of the man. You can't, it's pretty simple. He didn't give this long four-paragraph thing and why that demonic spirit should come out of that man. He just said, be quiet, come out of this man. The demonic spirit immediately threw the man into a fit and he collapsed right there in the middle of the synagogue. It was clear the demon had come out and the man was completely fine after that. Everyone was shocked to see this and they couldn't help but talk about it. Synagogue members were saying, what is about this? What is the meaning of this message? Jesus speaks with authority and the power he has. He commands demonic spirits to go away. So we see an Old Testament model of the Spirit of God and and the power of God resting on people for moments in, in time for them to complete a work that he's required them to do. But then we see Jesus who is a New Testament prophet, a New Testament priest, and an Old Testament mindset. He's li- he's, they're still living in the Old Covenant. They're thinking, well, this is how we should operate, and this is what we should do. We still have our, our laws and rules and regulations that we have to do, and if you have an unclean spirit, then you have to go out and, and, and do this, and then you can come back to the, the priest, and he can certify whether you're, you're the demonic spirit's out of you. But Jesus is operating outside of the realm of the Old Covenant. covenant excuse me. Isaiah 43 19 says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. And I was reading this book on um, Isaiah, and the guy gives a, a brief description of Isaiah 43, 19, and he says, this is yet unfulfilled. And I'm thinking, is it? Is Isaiah 43, 19 yet unfulfilled, according to this man? I don't believe it is unfulfilled. I believe Jesus fulfilled that. He said, I'm doing a new thing. God was, was speaking through the prophet Isaiah saying, I'm doing a new thing. You just haven't seen it yet. You may not see it yet, but my son is, I believe he, what he was saying through Isaiah is my son is the new thing. And so Jesus is operating outside of the model of every religious leader in that day. Every way that they operated, Jesus is operating differently. Jesus was modeling a new thing of God doing things on earth, in people, not through people. Excuse me, in people, not on people. A person filled with power is what Jesus was. He wasn't, rest, wasn't resting on him for a moment to do what he needed to do. Jesus walked in power daily. He had power on him daily. So he got up in the morning, there was power on him. When he went to bed at night, there was power on him. It wasn't like, well, he didn't call upon God. Well, I need power for today. Because the Holy Spirit was in him, he was filled with power. So, you know, looking at what Jesus' model was, we, we look at Jesus, he's the beginner, he is the author of our faith, he is the, it was there in the beginning of time, he's going to be there in the end of time. And so when Jesus was 
was demonstrating this, it was contrary to everything that we as, as humans believed about God at that moment. We, we felt like God's judgment was upon us and we had to sacrifice once a year for the priest to come and offer the right gift for us. Jordan and I were talking on the way back from the emergency room how if you had a certain sin, you had to have two turtle doves to, for that sin. And how, um, what was his name, his sons? Um, the priest's sons didn't offer on the right fire, so they were smit, smitten by God at that moment. It's like, oh my gosh, smite, smitten. Yeah, smited. I don't know, whatever, smited. Killed, let's just put it that way. Smited. I, I watched Evan Almighty and uh, smite, my, smite me using my any smiter. And um, yeah. But Jesus was doing something new. He was bucking the traditions of the old and bringing new authority, new authority into, of the kingdom of God into humans. New power, new ideas of who God was and how he loved us. Before it was always like God is this offset person he's up on this mountain we have to go to him once a year and and bring something to him so he doesn't come down and kill us that's the way they that's the way they looked at it i mean moses comes down from the 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 mountain and he says who's with me who's going to follow these 10 commandments and some people are like yeah and the other people are like no and the ground opens up and they're gone <laughs> i mean literally the, the golden they build a golden calf and god kills half the people because they, they wouldn't follow Moses. But they had, they had created gods and images of God while he's up on the mountain. A couple days he's up there and he's, he's, he's with God and they're like, well, we're just going to create a new God. But God, God said, you know what? I'm doing something new. I'm doing something that is so new that you don't even understand it. But he says, Do, will you see it? Will you pay attention to it? Let's turn to Isaiah 43. I should probably get there. There we go. It says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Some translations say, Do you not recognize it? Do you not understand it? And I believe that they didn't understand who Jesus was. Uh, some people did. They knew he was the Messiah, but the religious mindset in that day, they didn't understand because they were waiting for a king to come and to set up his throne and to come in with violence. But they didn't do it. But Isaiah is saying, do you not see what God is doing? And so Jesus operates in power. He operates in authority. He, he commands demonic spirits to leave the people that they're in. And people are like, you know, it's not like this, you know, we go back in the prayer room for 15 minutes and then somebody comes back and they're fine. He's literally in the middle of the streets on the corners in the temple releasing people from demonic strongholds. Jesus operated with power. The Greek word for power is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from, dynamo, you know, the it's something that talks about power. It means explosive strength, ability, or power. So Jesus is operating with a power that has been unseen by the religious leaders for years. Luke 5.17 says Jesus was uh, 
he's, he's out teaching, and it says, on one of those days, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal all. Jesus had power and authority, and that came from a relationship with his Father. That came with, from him knowing his Father intimately and having the Holy Spirit filled in him to release that power. You know, Jesus could have started his ministry and just got baptized and walked away. But what, what did he do? He got baptized and waited to get filled with the Spirit because he knew the Spirit was going to give him power to do his ministry. So we're a New Testament church. We have a new covenant. We don't have the law. We don't have to live by the law. We look back at the law and say, There's, there were good things in the law that helped us recognize who God was, but we don't live under the law. So God says, do you not see what I'm doing? This is a new covenant church, a new season, a new time, and a new way of doing things. So if we're in a new season... We don't have to worry about sacrifices. We don't have to worry about the ground opening up and swallowing us if we, if we sin. We don't have to worry about going to the priest and making sure that we have the right offering. We don't have to go into John's field and make sure that we find the firstborn of all his calves and say, okay, if it's, well, no, that one's, we don't have to go and pull from John's field every week and make sure that we got one cow so we can go sacrifice it because John wouldn't be happy about that. I'd be, John comes home one day, I'm like, oh, we're just getting ready to, to sacrifice. He's like, wait a minute, no, we're not, we're not doing this. But we have a New Testament church, a new covenant, and a new time. We operate different than what people of the Old Testament did. Acts 1.8, I love this scripture. It says, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You ever met a powerless person? They get walked all over. They never stand up for themselves. They find a reason why they can't progress. They can't ever mature. They can never figure out why they can't get to the next season of their life. They always stay in one, the same season, and it's always a repetitive thing. And they let life walk all over them. God, God has not created us to be powerless. He created us for the reason of channeling his power. As Christians, we were never designed to be powerless. Adam and Eve gave up their power, but Christ took back that. He said, I got the keys, all authority I have, and he gave us power back. Luke ten nineteen says, Behold, I have given unto you the power to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. I think I got an amen from Isaac there. But... Look at that. He says, I give you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions. I'm not saying go home and find a snake or a scorpion and try to tread on it. 
But he says, but then he goes, I give you basic power, but then he goes, look, I give you power over all the works of the enemy. This is not just, well, you know, you have power until this work gets too much and then you have to call on me again. He goes, no, I give you all power to fight the works of the enemy. And he says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. We give power to the enemy when we don't take the power that God has given us. We like, oh, well, I don't know, maybe it's just God's will. And the enemy's like, yes, exactly. Hand me over exactly what I want. Give me the power so I don't have to do anything. The enemy doesn't have to do anything with powerless people. Like I told you a couple weeks ago about, he just gives us, a, lets us believe a lie, lets us become powerless, and then walks away and finds the next person he can destroy. So Jesus says, I give you power. I give you explosive dynamite-like power. This isn't something, well, you know, I guess I should pull my power out of my wallet and we'll find out. You know, oh, now I'm going to use the power. It's not like, you know, it's not the Power Rangers. We don't have to transform into a super cool costume to be powerful. God says you're powerful from the moment you get out of bed, you put your foot down. All hell shakes when you get out of bed because they know there is nothing that is going to come against you that will prosper. They know that the power that is in you is more powerful than the works of the enemy. Amen. It says, behold, I give you all power over the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. He gives us power and it's not like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to talk about it. He goes, no, I actually give you power. You have to use that power. Exercise our God-given authority to reign and rule over earth. That's why he created man, to reign and rule over earth. He said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. So if he gives us dynamite-like power, that means that we can go and destroy the enemy's strongholds that are in our towns, in our cities, in our countries, in our workplaces. We go in and we light a fuse and we blow up what the enemy has already created. A church without power is just a religious organization. It's just a, it's just a, a nonprofit organization that we can go to And I can read a self-help book. The church is not here for self-help. They're there to create powerful people to send them out to destroy the work of the enemy so that the kingdom of God will prevail and the gates of hell will crumble. Acts 6, 8, talking about Stephen. You, You talk about a powerful guy that had a very short lifespan in Scripture. It says, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great signs and wonders among the people. I was reading um, kind of a, a little bit of a, a brief history of what um, early church history, and they think that Stephen was literally healing people as he walked by, like Paul and some of the apostles were doing, that their, his shadow was, was coming over people, and they would cross his shadow, and that he was being healed or excuse me, that the people were being healed because of the power that was resting in him. And they were talking about how 
the disciple or the apostles had such power and authority in their lives that the Spirit of God was on them so powerful that they could literally just talk to a person like Jesus did and say, you know what? Get up, rise. You know, they go to the temple and they're like, I don't have money. I don't have anything to give you, but what I have, I give you. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. He didn't, he didn't say, you know, hey, come, come to the, the church and we'll, we'll, we'll pray for you and hopefully it'll happen. He said, no, get up and walk because this is the power I have. I give it to you. Our power is not for us to, to hold on to. In our natural mind, in our fallen nature, we, we naturally want to take power and dominate over other people. That's why we have war. God created us to have dominion over earth, not other people. And so the power of God was on Stephen so strong that people were afraid of him. The religious leaders were so afraid of him because he was doing what they couldn't do. He was doing what they, they saw Jesus do. They put him to death because they said, you know, oh, we, we crucified Christ. He's nowhere to be seen. We've squashed this powerful rise of people. And then they see the apostles and these, these people being born again that are doing the same thing that he did, even in greater measure. And there's more of them. There's not just one powerful person walking around healing people. There, there's hundreds and, and maybe a thousand people going around and, and laying hands on people. And, and they're, they're casting out demons and, and they're restoring people. And they're, they're releasing the power of God onto the face of the earth. The power of God was not on Stephen, it was in Stephen. That power is in us. Born again, believers in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, that power is not just on our shoulder and it falls off, it is in us and it comes out of us. But we have to release that power on earth. The root word for dunamis, which is power, is endunamo, which means strong and empowered. So Paul's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says in, in 2 Timothy 2.1, he says, Therefore, my son, be strong in the Lord, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says, be empowered with the grace that is Christ Jesus. You know, we always talk about God's grace extended to us, God's mercy extended to us. That was Jesus Christ. The grace of God and the mercy of God extended to us was the, was the form of his son coming to earth and dying for us. We call out for mercy and it's like Jesus has already done that. We want the grace of God in our life. We already have that. That is the, the son of God living in us. Paul says, you know what? Be strong, be empowered by the grace that is in you through Christ Jesus. Timothy is, I don't know his age, he's in his probably 20s. He's running, basically leading the biggest church in the known world at that moment. I mean, can you imagine having the Apostle Paul as your father in the faith, the guy who's sending you encouraging letters? Can you imagine the power that Timothy saw when Paul was creating that church and, and witnessing to the people and, and setting people free in that time? Timothy is, is full of the Spirit, full of, of power, but Paul is encouraging him, saying, grow even deeper in it. Be strengthened by it. 
We sing in that last song, it says, let heaven fall. We want heaven to come to earth. How does heaven come to earth? It comes through us. We're like, we're like lightning rods for the power of God to come to earth. He is our source and we are conductors of his power in this earth. We have, we have the right to, to not do that. But as a born-again believer, we're filled with the Holy Spirit and He's in us. That is the most powerful weapon the kingdom of God has. There is no plan B. There, there is plan A and that is us. That is the power of God resting in us, living in us, that we are destroying the works of the enemy. We can, we can try to, to figure out, you know, we can try to pray God, will you just send us this and we need you to do this? And God's like, I've already given you what you need to do the works that I've called you to do. Thank you. It is. Christians spend too much time praying for God to do something. We, we pray for God to send revival. God's like, revival is in you. Revival lives in you. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ in you is Revival. God says, yes, I will send revival, but how is he going to send it? He's going to send it through us doing what he's called us to do, to re- us to release the power of God, to release healing on people, to release people from demonic things, to help families grow in the power of God, people to grow in the power of God. That's how revival starts. Revival doesn't start by somebody just going, well, you know, God sent revival. And God's like, oh, there's revival for you. No, it comes from hungry people who want the power of God in their lives. They want the power of God in their life so they can start revival. Azusa Street Revival didn't start with people just sitting around and drinking, you know, Kool-Aid going, ah, I hope God sends revival. They were hungry for it. They knew the power that God had sent in them. And what happened was is they, they conducted the power of God through them and said, you know what, we're gonna, God is calling us to do this. We're going to start something. hundred years ago, this revival starts and we're still seeing the remnants of it today. But God wants to release his power through us. That's the only way his power is released on this earth. God does, you know, we talked about, Sarah talked about a couple weeks ago, God has no control over this earth. God gave us authority. He gave us the control. He gave us the power to rule and reign over earth. So if God gave us the power and he doesn't, have, he doesn't have the control over earth, how does he do that? He sends his ambassadors to, he sends his ambassadors to put into the rules and the regulations of how earth should be. And that is for us to set up kingdom. God doesn't come down Jesus came down to show us what the kingdom looked like, but he didn't keep Jesus here because he knew Jesus' work was very short to display how the kingdom should be. So God sends his ambassadors and says, okay, I need you to go do this. Rome, when they took over countries, they would send a, what, it's where we get the word apostle from. They would send in a team of people and they were call, called apostles basically, and they would take literature and they would take every belief system that Rome had and they would in, help indoctrinate the people and enforce the belief system of that. 
So what God does is he says, I want you to take my belief system, take my kingdom and take the culture of my kingdom and bring it to earth. Release the power that when there's no sickness in heaven, there's no sickness on earth. When there's no lack in heaven, there's no lack on earth. He says, bring it. Bring what you know, bring my kingdom and deliver it to earth. Set up shop and don't let anything stop you. We are supposed to release the kingdom of God in, in our lives, into the lives of people around us. We're supposed to do that as a church, but a church without the presence of the Holy Spirit is just a religious organization meeting every week. If we don't have power, we're just a religious organization. You can get a, you can get a nonprofit anytime you want. doesn't mean that you are a church. doesn't mean that you have power. Our church is not here to make you feel good every week. Our church is here to equip you to release the power of God in your lives. But we have to create an atmosphere in this place for the Holy Spirit to come in and minister to people, to us, and to release His power into us. It talks about being filled to overflowing. David says, my cup runneth over. He's saying that everything from God is so overflowing in me that it's running over. So our job is to come and get, is to be self-feeders, to to understand the Word of God, to read the Word of God, but to come and get filled to overflowing. You know, you guys ever had that cup of water and you fill it almost too too much and it's just a little bit above the edge, but it hasn't broke yet. And as soon as you move, it spills. God wants it to be so overflowing that you can't move without it spilling over. Our job is to come and get encouraged so we can go back out that next week and do the work of the kingdom. We can release the kingdom in every area of our life. Whether you work in the ministry, you work in a factory, you work wherever you work, you can release the power of God in your life. You can release the power of God into the face of the earth. The atmosphere that makes the Holy Spirit desire to, to, to rest here is to welcome Him. If you do not welcome the Holy Spirit, He's just like, oh, I don't really, I'll be here, but I'm not going to be active in this. The Holy Spirit is always watching, always there, but it, it's, it's us welcoming Him into the atmosphere so we can say, hey, this is a place that I want to rest in. I was reading a book one time, and the guy was talking about how you have to think about the Holy Spirit as a dove. Like, like we talked about, and you think about it, and he's resting on your shoulder. What are you doing every day? Are you going to scare that dove away? Are you flowing so much in God that that dove wants to rest? The Holy Spirit wants to rest there on your shoulder. I know it's, it's a, a metaphor for it, but he's like, what in your life makes the Holy Spirit want to rest on you and stay with you. So in our, in our, in our worship services, in, in our church, we have to be inviting. We have to create an atmosphere. If you're gone into an atmosphere and you're like, duh, I just don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> you, you, you go, you know, you go to that, that weird Christmas party with relatives that you haven't seen and you're like, it's really awkward. And you're just like, oh, we've only been here 15 minutes. It feels like five hours. <laughs> that atmosphere is uncomfortable. 
If we create an atmosphere that is uncomfortable for the Holy Spirit, he is not going to, to work like he wants to work. He may work in certain people, but we won't see it corporately the way we should if we create that atmosphere of inviting him in and allowing him to do what we want to do or what he wants to do, excuse me. But what happens is we do what we want to do. Well, we're going to schedule worship for, uh, from 9.05 to exactly 9.32 and then exactly from 9.32 to uh, 11.02, we're going to preach and then from 11.02 to 11.05, we're going to um, have, you know, cookies. Yeah, there we go, cookies. We, we, we cannot schedule the work of the Holy Spirit. We cannot, because what happens is we squelch the Holy Spirit. We're like, hey, um, we're just going to pour some water on you right now because we're done with you. No, it, it's true. We're, you know, it's like, oh, from 9.35 to 9, Holy Spirit, yep, you're good now. Oh, pour the water. I'm, we're good. You can leave now. We're just going to do what we need to do. When we do that, we, we, we're pouring out the fire that God has put in us. There's fire in us. Some people don't even know that there's fire in them because they haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to move in them to stir it up. Yeah. We have to create that atmosphere in, 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 our, in our worship, in our, in, our, in our church on a weekly basis, in our, in our lives to be able to make room for the Holy Spirit. We want to make room for the Holy Spirit for five minutes and then it's like, well, that was good enough. You guys ever been praying and you're like praying and then you're like, you forget what you were talking about and you're just like thinking about something else. You're like, oh, okay, I'll talk to you later, God. It, 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 we do it. We're driving, you'll be praying. Uh, you know, you get a text message or a phone call. Oh, we got to pray for this person. You're praying for five minutes and then you're like, oh, look at that tree, you know? And it's like, oh, you're, you're, you're doing something else. We have to focus on making room and making time and making that, that, that atmosphere stable and inviting and welcoming for the Holy Spirit. It comes from hungry people who want more of God. I don't, want, I don't ever want to be the, the people that schedule the Holy Spirit. Okay, um, we'll send you a, a memo on the calendar and you can show up at this time and at this place and for this amount of time and you only have 30 minutes to work and then you're done. I don't want to be that people. I, we're not going to be that people. We want to be people who say, Holy Spirit, come work when you want, when you want to work. Give me power, when, move in power in me when you want to move in power in me. Because what happens is, is if we don't, we're like, oh, we come up to a situation and we're like, man, I could really use the Holy Spirit working in me right now to give me insight, to give me wisdom, to give me um, a revelation of what I need to do. But we're like, okay, Holy Spirit, um, I need you now. And by that time, that, that, that moment in time when you have a season of time that you have with a person, it's gone and you're like, oh, man, I could have used that. So if we live daily with the Holy Spirit, we allow his power to move in us, that season never ends. At that moment, we're like, God, I need that. Boom, it's right there. It's on call. It's like an arsenal that you just, oh, boom, I got exactly what I need. I need the sword of the Spirit. I got the sword of the Spirit. You can, you can call on God and call on the Holy Spirit and He gives you the tools you need, the weapons you need for the warfare you're in at that moment. But we cannot be a powerless church waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up and going, wow, well, I wonder why He didn't show up. Because we haven't invited Him. We have to invite Him for Him to show up. Do you guys ever just show up at somebody's house that you, um, well, I mean, a few of you might. Um, <laughs> Have you ever showed up at somebody's house and they're like, uh, what are you doing here? You know, you have, you know, they're like, oh, hey, what you doing? And you're like, um, just showing up. 
and it's awkward, and they're like, oh, you, yeah, yeah, they're standing in the front door, and they're like, oh, yeah, you, you, you want to come in? And they don't want you to be there, but they're trying not to be rude. How, why do we treat the Holy Spirit that way? Oh, hey, I'm just doing my own thing right now. You, you want to come back later when I need you? God says, invite it to come in. He goes, I'm going to fill you. I'm going to send you someone. And that means if he sends us someone, that they're there present with us. He doesn't say he's going to leave you. He says, I'm going to send you someone, and he's constantly working with us. We have to create that atmosphere in our hearts, in our churches, our worship services, in our lives for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We have to be a church of power, explosive power, that we say, you know what? Hell, that ain't going to stop me. I ain't afraid of no devil. Yeah, it's a triple snap. Thanks, George. Um, but we, we always get, we always, we give too much power to the devil and not enough power to believers filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Wayne and I were talking about this on Friday night. He said, we're going to look in the end times and we're, at the end of the days and we're going to go, oh, that, that little kitten that's walking around, that was what fooled the nations. That's what sounded like a roaring lion. Everybody thought it was a roaring lion looking to devour. We're going to go, boom, get out of here. Don't be fooled by the power that, you, that he pretends that he has. Be confident in the power that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has placed in you to do the good works. Your confidence in God and the power released through you is, is more powerful. One Christian who is confident in God and who they are and has filled with the Holy Spirit is more, is more powerful than the entire army is of hell. Create that atmosphere. Create that atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to come into your houses, your lives, your work, to create a powerful person filled with the Holy Spirit, full of God, and ready to release it on the face of this earth. Let's pray.